Hello, Belinda. Hi, Omar. What is our theme this week? Our theme is the Sweet Pea card number 36. That's our wild card. Is that right? It's one of two. The Sweet Pea is not the edible one. This is something different. (laughs) Yeah, for some reason today I got inspired before our recording to go out onto the land here in Mount Shasta and collect a sweet pea for this podcast. And uh, yeah, this sweet pea um, plant is definitely not the ones that we eat. It's um, oftentimes you might see it in uh, bouquets. What color is it? It's a beautiful pink color. This is the one that uh, grows on our land. Mm, So beautiful. Before we jump further into this week's theme, I'd love to just share a note we received on LinkedIn. And it's really been beautiful to hear from our listeners and whether it's by email and emailing us at pollinators at gratitudeblooming.com or DMing us on Instagram, Facebook, or even on LinkedIn. And I really just appreciate that people are finding us in all sorts of places. This is from Catherine in Los Angeles. She wrote, Omar, I was able to listen to the healing session on a drive to Sacramento last weekend. And it was so moving. I really appreciate the work you and the whole Gratitude Blooming team does to create these amazing podcasts. I shared it with a family member who's going through a difficult time to help her understand how to heal her heart, but also set boundaries. It has been a true blessing to bring Gratitude Blooming into my life. Thank you. So amazing to hear from you, to hear that it's not just connecting with you personally, but that you're sharing the podcast I couldn't think of a better way to talk about this week's theme on wildness. That's what happens when it's wild. It can grow and pollinate on its own um, with your support. So thank you so much for sharing with us. Continue to reach out uh, and let us know how the podcast is showing up in your life and how Mm -hmm. you're sharing it with others. So Omar, I'm curious to hear from you today in this moment. What does the wild card, what is your word of gratitude if you were to choose your own word today? So the word that's coming to me right now is nature and just really appreciating the cycles of nature. As you know, I grew up here in Los Angeles and we used to joke that we had four seasons, earthquakes, fires, floods, and civil unrest. (laughs) And You know, and part of it was a joke, but part of it was very real that we're constantly shaking on fire, flooding and going through these cycles of civil unrest. I remember in 92 as a senior in high school, there was so much smoke in the air, like I couldn't even see the end of my block. It was just You can smell it, you can feel it, you could taste it. And it just was this incredible demonstration of how fragile things are. And what does it really take? You know, I think for me, I realized like democracy is fragile. Cities are fragile. And so for me, kind of very early on, I was like, okay, we can't, I can't take these things for granted. And that's, to me, in some ways, what nature does, whether it is all the fires 
that are happening right now. I think right now there's the largest fire in California or the second largest fire in recorded history. And, you know, after fires, because often the land gets destabilized, then come floods. And so then the rains come and because they don't have the root structures of forests or trees, then the floods move everything around. And then I think as we've seen just in the last year with George Floyd and I Can't Breathe and Black Lives Matter, it's been a ton of civil unrest. And so for me, nature is just this reminder that we are both fragile, but also resilient, right? That we can adapt and evolve. The question though, or what are the practices that we're putting in place to make that practice and that evolution real? Well, I can certainly relate to that in a very sensory way here in Mount Shasta. You know, every day it's, we're kind of at the whim of the wind and it's been interesting to notice how you can't really take clean air, blue skies, the sunlight for granted. And every day when I wake up and I see just even for a moment, the sun and the blue sky, I'm, I'm even more grateful because it changes so rapidly right now, depending on which direction the wind is blowing and Definitely noticing myself staying indoors more this week, and it's hard. And also, I find myself being more grateful when I am outside. Like this morning when I went to find this one sweet pea, few sweet peas left on the land. We're kind of at the end of its growing season. It usually comes out during the summer solstice. And so I managed to find a few growing by the creek. And yeah, it is really interesting to look at this plant. You know, Omar, we look at the digital cards of the flower and then we also have Arlene's sketch. And it's also, it's just a really different experience right now as we're just looking at it in real life and seeing the colors, the petals, the intricacies of this flower. And like you said, you know, it's such a, gentle, beautiful reminder of of nature. And what's also interesting is it grows in these thick vines and the vines are so strong that you can literally not pull them out of the ground if you wanted to transplant them because they're so rooted in the earth. So it's just such an interesting juxtaposition of delicate with resilience. Isn't it there are two sides of the same coin that we are fragile and yet we can adapt? That's what nature to me is this constant reminder that change is all that we can assume. The challenge though is that I think the human brain can resist change. And so it really takes these practices, it takes this sort of intelligence, this wisdom, these reminders of like, how do we constantly remind ourselves that change is happening, right? Like that, to me, the definition of mindfulness is really the practice of noticing change. It's when we stop noticing change is then we become mindless. And we have these traditions 
right? Meditation just wasn't born yesterday. It, it comes out of a long practice, you know, for thousands of years of realizing like, oh, okay, we have to overcome the brain's tendency to just sort of like try to hold things uh, the same as opposed to recognizing that things are changing. One of my favorite phrases on this is from the Asaro tribe in Papua New Guinea. And they said that knowledge is just a rumor until it's felt in the bones. And so when we like dig deep in and we are connected at that sort of bone level, our sort of structure and we realize, okay, this isn't a nice to have. Knowledge isn't just like, oh, okay, this is just information. This is theory. No, this is something that we feel in our bones. This is practice. And so how do we practice noticing the change around us? You know, we're familiar with muscle memory, but I also think there's emotional muscle memory. How do we actually take these practices as I've been deep into embodiment and realizing that trauma can get passed on from generation to generation. Right. In some ways, this is what helped get me going on this path was realizing that like, oh, my anger actually came passed on. This sort of short fuse on certain things was not just a behavioral trait. There was something that there was some trauma that was passed on. I know my father was disconnected from his father when he was 10 years old and that left a big hole. I know that my mom's dad died when she was 15 years old. And so for me, you know, I just as a dad and as a parent now, I don't take for granted the time that I have with my daughters. And so if I'm going to have this precious time with them, I want to be the best dad I can be with them. And so these practices, I think what is beautiful is that, yes, trauma and pain can be passed on, but these cycles also can be broken. And this then is then the beauty of nature is this reminder that things are changing just because things have been a certain way doesn't mean it is inevitable. You know, last week's theme was infinite possibility. And so that is a great sort of reminder that things are not inevitable in any given moment we can choose in some ways how do we want to show up how do we want to be present what practice do we want to have to overcome the brain's resistance to change and it's interesting too how the trauma that we're you know in some ways experiencing or past getting passed on from our ancestors how they also store in our bodies, if we don't acknowledge them, feel them, and release them. And it takes me back to this Monday's gratitude circle where we had someone share about how she feels like she's doing healing for her family line. And I know her personally as someone who actually, uh, her family survived genocide. And so when she shared that, it was powerful that, you know, for her to spend this time healing herself, it actually is something that her ancestors weren't able to do and she's now able to do for them all. So I just love that image of you, Omar, 
doing this healing for your mom's family and your father's family? It's been one of those things where realizing that my heart needed to grow in order to be the dad I wanted to be, the husband, the leader. And that to me is when knowledge is just a rumor until it's felt in the bones is like, okay, this needs to be embodied. This needs to be some practice. This isn't just a theory in my head. And that's, I think sometimes we kind of separate, we have mindfulness and it's all about kind of from the shoulders up and it's easy. I've heard one person call it spiritual bypass. So even when you practice meditation or mindfulness, you can disassociate from your body. And nature, again, is this incredible, very tangible, very real. If you've ever been in the ocean and you can feel the waves and the movement, nature is constantly moving. If you ever go into a forest and you hear the sounds of the wind rustling through the trees, nature is always moving. And it's a little bit of a spiritual bypass for us to kind of think that we can create these little boxes. We live in a box. We drive maybe to work in a box and with wheels on it and go to an office. When we used to go to offices in a box. And these things can feel very static. But nature is hardly static. It's wild. So what would be your point of view on the sweet pea and nature and this wild card and how you would interpret it. How can I be sweet and strong at the same time? Because it feels like very different energies. And it's interesting because I I do feel like the sweet pea is saying, be resilient in the face of change in the winds of change, you know, even the day-to-day experience of being in the thick of smoke here. And it's also saying, don't be so strong that you're hardened by that strength. Be rooted, be grounded. I feel like we're going through, in a lot of ways, spiritual boot camp as a collective right now with so much change, you know, I, and maybe change was always, I know change has always been here. It just feels like the magnitude and the pace of it and just the amount of change we're all going through at the same time on this planet. It feels tremendous. And, you know, how, how do I really be with that? How do I be strong with that? And also soft because there are times when when I need to yield. <laughs> there are times when I need to dance and you know flow with this wind. And there maybe there's a time when it, I need to be strong so I can face the wind in battle. And it's interesting how it changes with the moment, much like how the trees and the plants have to adjust to every blow. <laughs> Moment to moment. Season by season. And whether your seasons include uh, fires, earthquakes, and floods, and civil unrests, or snow and rain, you know, we have it all. That's You use the word resilient, and I think it's important to really define that. And, 
you know, for me, I think resilience is this ability to adapt to change. I like to think about it as like what can happen from A to B and an infinite amount of things. But it's often very easy to have, I think, the opposite in some ways of resiliency is efficiency. How fast can I go from A to B? And if you're working on sort of movement and speed, then change is very disruptive. But if you assume change and you can adapt to it, then all of a sudden you're finding this beautiful balance. And it's only when we lean too so- too hard on one side or another. So if efficiency means that we can't be resilient, but resilient, you know, how do we then also be efficient? How do we be both strong and fragile, right? And sensitive. Like it's okay to be fragile and sensitive. Like the point isn't to harden. In some ways, the harder things are, the harder they break. And so how do we actually build things just in our own lives, our own daily practices? COVID-19 was terrible on, on lots of fronts, but it also provided in some ways an opportunity to really reevaluate what are our daily practices. Since there was no normal and we had to kind of create a new normal, it really created an opportunity to rethink how did we want to show up each and every day. And that was certainly difficult for frontline workers and those that were really uh, feeling the heat of all of it. I know for myself, I I got tinnitus at the beginning of COVID because of some health issues in the family and work things being highly disrupted, kids now having to homeschool. And it literally all happened in the same week. And waking up one morning to the sound of an ocean roaring in my ear with a high pitch. And, you know, it's still lingering now. And this is where I know that you know, knowledge is not just a rumor, it's felt in the bones. I'm feeling it in my bones still and and really having to then be intentional about what are the practices to help recalibrate my system so that it isn't on high alert. It isn't in that fight, you know, flight or freeze mentality. Because that's where, you know, it, it shows up physically in the body. My heart goes out so much to all the healthcare workers we've been connecting with right now around this theme of resilience. You know, how do you show up every single day, not only to adapt to the challenges that you're feeling personally with people that are sick, and then also holding other people's trauma in a whole system. And it's interesting how in in a lot of our circles, it's an invitation to soften. It's an, it's an invitation to speak that suffering. Self-compassion. How do you be a friend to yourself? I mean, I think that's part of it is that we each have an opportunity to choose how we want to show up. But it is also a recognition that sometimes the headwinds are against you. And, and maybe that is a time to like slow down and reorient and reset and maybe just pause altogether if that's a choice and opportunity, but even if it's just even in a brief moment, how powerful that resetting can be. I'm so curious to hear how Arlene, the artist, uh, was connecting with the sweet pea when she illustrated this card. We included two wild cards in the gratitude blooming deck, the sweet pea and the lilac branch. 
By wild cards, we mean there is a drawing of a plant, but unlike the rest of the cards, it does not have a word or theme associated to it. When I tried to remember why these images didn't have a word in it, I realized that these two drawings were ones that I made after finishing the 100-day project. So when I drew these two plants, I didn't think of pairing the drawing with a word. That said, almost every drawing I make, whether it turns out well or not, or if I draw a word with it or not, is usually driven by a feeling. And what I do remember about drawing this sweet pea is that I felt a sense of weightlessness, a defiance of gravity, because the stalk I chose to draw grew horizontal instead of vertical to the ground. When sweet peas grow, its stalk has tendrils that latch onto anything it can in its surroundings to support it, which allows growth in all sorts of unpredictable directions. So this single delicate flower almost felt like it was floating and held by the leaves around it. The bloom was suspended in the air and reaching out like it was trying to get my attention. When we decided to include these wildcard drawings in the gratitude card deck, we thought it could be fun to give others a chance to have the same experience I did when drawing these plants, to really look at it and see if it had some words or wisdom to share. So with this sweet, sweet pea, we invite you to really look at the drawing, or if possible, try to experience the plant in person yourself and see if it has something to say to you. To me, the single flower does seem to be reaching out to ask you to notice. Is there a message of gratitude or wisdom that comes up? We hope the wild cards in the deck will inspire you to notice and perhaps even draw other wild plants out there that may have something to teach us when you take some time to really notice it. I could totally picture the tendrils of the sweet pea reaching out, latching on so that it can grow. I feel like our practices are our tendrils. Those things that we can anchor on that allow us to continue to adapt. Our goals, I feel like, are only as good as our practices. And so whatever that goal is in your life, self-care, healing, wealth, health, wisdom, whatever the goal is, it's our practice that really sustain it. Those are our tendrils. I love the feeling that she described of being suspended and how the sweet pea is interwoven with other plants. And it takes me back to our journey last week, focusing on infinite possibility and how much we have to be open to the wildness of nature, of our own nature. And in many ways, the changes that we're feeling and experiencing right now is almost reminding us of, of the wild, of the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. <laughs> Does that make it feel better? Mm, I don't know. I was actually going to ask you when you get the wild card, how does it feel like to have both a sense of like, oh, I got a choice or like, oh my God, I don't know what word is going to come to me right now. And I'd rather just have the card tell me what to think about. For me, it depends on the moment. There is something comfortable about having a script and 
just going with it and making meaning from what's already there. And when this card comes up, I feel like it's this like stop autopilot mode, go into your own wildness. And, and it, and it is interesting when we hold the gratitude circles and the wild cards come up and people kind of stop at their tracks. It's like deer caught in the headlights. Like, I don't know what to say about this. And then, and then after a long pause, something inevitably emerges around the story of the plant or even just the idea of wildness. And so in this moment for me, I feel like it's a invitation to honor my own wildness as someone who is a very independent spirit. I've had to learn over time when was it safe to be wild and free and when was it not? And yeah, let's not ever forget that that's a part of us. What about for you, Omar? I'm thinking right now my daughters are in algebra right now and learning about the X to solve for the X. Yeah, it's a big transition to go from math has numbers to math now has letters. And I feel like this is the wild card. It's the variable. And part of it is then really trying to understand like, okay, what is the variable in my life? What is that thing that is very different each and every day? Sometimes there are themes that kind of come up, you know, for me control and impatience are sort of constant themes, but then it's interesting to see what triggers them. And that reveals something new for me. I've always thought that I was very in touch with my body as an athlete. I played sports competitively from third grade all the way to my sophomore year in college. And so just, I felt very comfortable in my body as a, as a natural athlete. A couple of years ago, I ran a couple of marathons and, you know, even after taking a lot of time off, but through these embodiment practices and becoming more aware of somatic work, I realized, oh my God, I'm really not connected to certain parts of my body. And what does it really mean to bring awareness, you know, to the back of my belly, for example, and being like, okay, what is going on down there? And how is that helping me become more rooted? And I think part of it is, and why I'm enjoying the somatic work is the more in touch that I am with my body, then the more aware I am of the emotions and feelings and where they're sort of bubbling up from. And then as I become more aware of where the pain might be physically, then I'm also sort of aware to bring more sort of gentleness and kind of compassion to it. And then I'm like, oh, okay, this sensation. So all of a sudden it's not just me stressed out and my shoulders tight. It didn't just happen overnight. There's these sort of very subtle things that then happen. And then all of a sudden I become more aware of like, oh, okay, pause, reconnect. And that actually gives me more mindfulness by not actually going into my head, but really going into my body. And it's just hitting me right now how when Arlene was drawing these plants, she was guided by a feeling. And then now we're looking at the art 
that represents the nature and it's creating feelings within us or, or allowing us to, to identify the feelings that maybe we do or don't acknowledge sometimes. So it's just this beautiful spiral of, of the art and, and nature and, and reconnection with ourselves. I'm really appreciating just the transmission of feelings from an artist to a card to this moment. And just how much courage it takes to, for an artist to acknowledge that emotion and then try to give it form in such a way that it can be felt, not just seen. I look forward to hearing some more stories from our gratitude circles. I'm touched by the delicacy of the actual plant, how sweet it is. I've been thinking a lot about the times that I um, don't notice another person's delicate nature. I'm very delicate, but the times, particularly in the masculine, where I don't notice how delicate the masculine soul, there's a delicate soul in there too. And just, I've been really asking for forgiveness around that and my my when I ask for forgiveness the I'm asking spirit and then I'm enacting kind of that atonement and my solution has just been how much sweeter can I be to honor the delicate nature of everyone around me I really felt her words in my heart as she was speaking about being delicate. Her voice was so delicate. And how to be compassionate towards others and and people that might represent the oppressor or the trauma that you felt at a certain point in your life. And I just loved how she brought it back to forgiveness and love. Ultimately, and then funny how emotions are so delicate and yet they stick with us. It reminds me of the Maya Angelo quote People will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. <sighs> and so, our orientation often is just our intellect our actions, what we do. And yet it's how people make us feel that we will remember. What does it mean to move in the world in a way that you make people feel their best? What does that day look like? I feel pretty different. I feel pretty good. <laughs> the world would be amazing. Hashtag kindness. I like to say, uh, talking about words of wisdom, I will to share words of wisdom from my grandmother. She's from the Azor Island of Flores off of Portugal. And, um, you know, I kind of, um, I have this workaholic, I, I'm addicted to work and being productive and achieving in them. Um, that's, um, you know, slowed down because of this pandemic. But now that we're returning to, you know, I feel like we're about to enter into a season of 
you know, opportunities and work and being productive and getting projects done. I remember my grandmother, she used to always tell us, just, you know, she told me especially, she said, honey, if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. <laughs> so, yeah, I miss my grandmother so much. It was her birthday last week. Thinking about that. So I'm happy to share my grandmother's words wisdom that if you win the rat race, you are still a rat. Grandma's no best. Gotta change the game. <laughs> it makes me think of uh, something you told me once recently when we were in Hawaii, we were having a conversation, and I was telling you about how I have this uh, overachieving uptightness sometimes in my the way I approach my work and how I you know used to be so good at climbing the ladder and you're like yeah but it's not really productive if you're climbing climbing the but wrong it ladder it doesn't matter how fast you climb the ladder if you're on the wrong wall oh right exactly I I, I kind of got that gist of it <laughs> um and this is what it makes me think of and and um the fact that the sweet pea they climb they connect how do they make that choice which uh which branch to climb on at the end of the day we all go to the same place question is how do we want to feel when we get there what is that ladder we actually all know what's at the top of that ladder. <laughs> so the only question is really, how do we want each rung to feel? That's what each day is. It's a rung. Mm. I actually think I'd rather think of it less as a ladder and more of like a lattice. So it's not just this vertical up and down binary but it is this lattice that allows us to sort of move sideways and move around and explore. That's what I think is beautiful about sweet peas and grapevines and these things that just kind of grow. And depending on what the structure is really shapes how they grow. Right? If you think about a, a vineyard and how they string the vines across. And so what are those strings? What is the lattice in which we're attaching ourselves to? I'm also feeling how it's this integration between the feminine and the masculine within us all, the structure of a lattice and then the flow of how it wants to grow and dance and spiral along that structure. It brings me a good feeling. Wild brings me authenticity. Wild brings me freedom. Tough, <laughs> you know, uh, toughness in a good way. Beauty. <laughs> yeah, authenticity, you know, being authentic, you know, not following something else, just uniqueness. It's interesting that she identified wildness with authenticity and I, I don't think I would have ever connected the two yet 
wildness means there's no template. And so for all living our truth, expressing ourselves as who we truly are, then we are being wild and and therefore authentic. I don't know if there's any way to be authentic without being vulnerable. And vulnerable means to kind of name that ephemeral feeling and to acknowledge it. At the same time, though, to realize that it is an ephemeral thing and that we don't need to attach to it. And that's, to me, the balance is remembering like, oh, this is a real feeling. Let me acknowledge it. But also, I don't need to cling to it. I can let that feeling go. And I think this is where maybe the embodiment practices really show up is that when we don't let go of a feeling, then it tends to take root in our body in some particular way. And particularly when it's a painful one. And so connecting to our bodies is in some ways unearthing some of these emotions and feelings that have embedded some in our lives, some that we've inherited. And realizing like, okay, I want to be healthy physically, emotionally. What does that look like and mean? And be open to that question. And maybe it's the openness is the wild card. So I'm like, okay, I don't know all the answers, but I'm willing to go on the journey. I'm willing to grow. I'm willing to sprout some tendrils and feel my way forward. It really reminds me of the conversation last week on infinite possibility around that. And it's interesting because Omar, you and I are both choosing the path of the unknown, you know, as entrepreneurs, we don't know what's going to happen. And it's interesting to think about this idea of resilience. You know, oftentimes people attach that virtue to being an entrepreneur, you know, someone that can handle challenge, can know what to do in the face of adversity and still continue to take one step forward after another. And while I find that to be a a beautiful strength, I also wonder in this moment, looking at the sweet pea, if there's times where we shouldn't be moving forward with something because it's too hard and we're not meant to struggle that much. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I'm on my fourth or fifth venture in a row now and I've lost track of how many times I've helped to either found or co-create something kind of from the ground up. It took me even a while to realize I was an entrepreneur. I sort of thought of entrepreneurs as like, oh, I have this genius <laughs> idea and I'm going to like mortgage the house and like bet everything. And I was like, I'm not that guy. Um, but I love to create. And that's really the knowledge that's in me is I love to create. And I know no other way that I want to be in the world other than to be able to create. And I really love creating spaces for other people to thrive. This isn't why the gratitude circles that we're holding and just even these podcasts that we're sharing is like, okay, how do we show thriving? And not because everything is hunky-dory. Even when it's tough, really 
what is possible, even in that situation and environment. Did you have to let it go in those iterations or, or did they just take a new form looking back on it now? I've had, I've had it all. I've had it go well. I've had it go bad. I've had it go sideways in terms of opportunities expanding or, or some not, you know, I was at a startup uh, and got laid off the week before my first daughter was born and it was in 2008. And so I was in the two worst industries of finance and real estate. And I had to go home and tell my very pregnant wife, like, I've got good news and I've got bad news. <laughs> bad news is uh, I don't have a job. Mm. Good news is I'm going to have a lot of time with our daughter. You know, and, and it's in those moments that you realize like, okay, who am I? What am I really about? What's most important to me? I remember at the firm I was at, the managing partner said, Hey, Omar, in a storm, you should find safe Harbor. And I was like, look, I'm not a ocean captain, but my understanding is that sometimes when a storm is about to hit, it's actually better to go out to sea because when you're stuck in the Harbor, you can just get rammed up against the pier and it actually can be even more dangerous. And so if you can go out to sea, you can find that space, you can find that openness, then there's more possibility and opportunity. I got laid off. So, you know, not sure which way that went for me. I have appreciated the opportunities and choices I've had subsequently because what I realized in some ways that I had to bet on myself, I had to invest in me and the vision that I had to see and wanted to see in the world. I'm stoked with where I'm at. One thing that comes up for me around that, just to remember this, is at the end of the day, maybe it doesn't matter what it looks like, the things that were the material form of the things. Because what I hear you say is, it's you at the end of the day. And these things are all expressions of what you're creating. And with each phase of your journey, it's taking different form. And so the attachment to the form is what causes the suffering and the, and the, I've got to hang on to this. And I think that's the thing that has been hard for me and my own entrepreneurial wildness is the attachment to the form. And when I actually was able to release it, it became gratitude blooming. But before that, it was something very different. And I had to learn to be okay with letting go to to see so now i have to share my favorite poem the uses of not by lao tzu and i love this poem for a lot of reasons one is because it was written in the fourth century bc so the human mind as we know it today has been around for a while it goes 30 spokes meet in the hub where the wheel isn't is where it's useful. Hollowed out clay makes a pot where the pot's not is where it's useful. Cut doors and windows to make a room where the room is not, there's room for you. And so the profit in what is is in the use of what is not. 
form follows function. Our purpose should drive how we show up, the shape of who we are. And the cool thing is that we can be many things. And when we realize that we can be many things, then the form that we hold can evolve. The hollowed out clay can take the form of many different kinds of pots. And what we need to hold and what we need to contain can be responsive to the moment we're in. That's what I love about nature. Such a teacher in that. I think we're now going to hear some journal entries. Sweet Pea Wildcard. Imagine my own words of wisdom and gratitude. I have been harvesting sweet peas for a few weeks now. That is going to be my snack later. My word is going to be nourish. Nourish the soul, the body, and mind. I have been educating myself about white supremacy and my role in its disgraceful grip on society. I am listening to black and indigenous folks. I am making mistakes. I feel I am nourishing my soul, my body, and mind. I'm reading right now this book called In Grandma's Hands, and it's all about trauma and embodiment. And it talks specifically about trauma for black folks, white folks, and police officers, and how we hold that trauma in our bodies. And so really these practices are about unearthing and uprooting these things that have been deeply embedded into our bodies and into our systems. The change is necessary. And it's just beautiful to also juxtapose the intensity of unpacking that trauma from white supremacy on all sides And then also thinking about nourishment. How do you hold both of those things together? Yeah, what you uproot, then you also have to plant new things. And that's really the beautiful part is that we can not just deconstruct, but we can also create. These stories are so powerful. Just taking a moment to just um, integrate everything that came up today. It felt like we went on a journey together. I feel like we almost need to use our uh, integrating breaths. Let's do it. So I invite you, wherever you are, and as long as you're not driving, just to pause for a moment and gently rest your eyes or close them if you can. And in the time that we've had together, just what might have been a spark of joy, a positive feeling that came up for you, just take a breath in to savor it. And for this next breath, What might have been a charged emotion that came up for you and can you acknowledge it and compost it to make soil for new growth? 
for this last breath. What do you want to take with you from this podcast? Thank you so much for joining us this week. We appreciate you. We love hearing from you. You can find us on all social media. These stories are your stories. We're here because you're here. And together, we can expand our tendrils even further. So for those of you that were moved by the sweet pea, we'd love for you to get your own gratitude blooming card deck and see what words of gratitude want to emerge for you from nature. Cheers. Cheers.